You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. My name is Ed Frank. I am NCBA's Senior Director of Policy Communications. And joining us this week is Scott Yeager. Scott, of course, is NCBA's Chief Environmental Counsel. Scott, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Ed. All right. Well, the big breaking news out of Washington, D.C. this afternoon is the there was a U.S. Senate vote on the so-called Green New Deal. Um, as you probably probably remember, the Green New Deal is a non-binding resolution, um, and it's very vague. There's not a lot of policy specifics in there. Um, the overarching goal is to get rid of fossil fuels, essentially, and greenhouse gases in the next 10 years. No specifics on how to actually do that. Um, when it came out, we asked a bunch of questions uh, that we would hope that we hoped reporters and others would ask, trying to get some specifics on what exactly they're proposing. We'll get more to that later. Um, but the result of the Senate vote um, to move the bill forward um, on the Green New Deal, there were zero yes votes um, to move the bill forward. There were 57 no votes, pretty much all Republicans, a couple of Democrats in there. And then the rest of the Democrats voted present. So um, the, Green the Green New Deal is not moving forward in the Senate um, right now. Uh, the question is, we've seen so many of these Democrats calling for passage of the Green New Deal. Um, but, Scott, why did so many Democrats who called for passage of it then walk inside the Senate chamber and not support it? They knew they didn't have the votes, but why did they vote present as opposed to, yes, let's move forward on this? And th that's a great question. I think it's one of those things that happens inside of the beltway inside of Washington, D.C., when the, your average person that lives in the country is looking at what's happening here, they just scratch their head about what's going on. Because you're right. This is the Green New Deal was a resolution that was brought forth by many of the Democrats that voted uh, present today. Um, so just to underscore that a little bit more, uh, every Senate Republican voted no on the Green New Deal. Um, and then all but two Senate Democrats voted present. And the two Democrats that voted no were Senator Manchin from West Virginia and Senator Sinema from Arizona. We're kind of the outliers here. But I think this is a situation that's a very political one. And the decision of Democrats to vote present on the bill was a political move. Um, but at the end of the day, they, they voted effectively against their own Green New Deal. So it's one of those things where it's kind of, we're sitting here scratching our heads like, why are, if this is a important issue to you all, why don't you vote for it? Why don't you put your name on the dotted line and move forward with it? Yeah, and backing up a little bit, you and I and a couple of other folks from NCBA uh, went up to Capitol Hill uh, this morning. Um, the proponents of the Green New Deal had a big rally and news conference um, right outside the, the U.S. Capitol, right on the Senate lawn. Um, and we it was outside, so we could go. Uh, we're U.S. citizens, so we went out on our Capitol lawn uh, to check it out. We basically crashed their event. And one speaker after another, U.S. Senate, or four U.S. senators there, um, one of whom is running for the presidency, um, and a bunch of activists and union activists um, spoke one after the other about the the urgent need to get a Green New Deal. And we recorded uh, their news conference. And here are just some of the sound bites uh, from the U.S. senators. This is, these are three U.S. senators um, outside the U.S. Capitol building around 1130 this morning, Eastern Time. 
We thank everyone for their powerful work in demanding that as a nation that we act on climate. We must act now. And the evidence is now irrefutable that if we don't act immediately to stop it, then our land, water, air, lives, lives of our children and of our grandchildren will suffer in ways that we can barely imagine today. But now suddenly they want to vote on the Green New Deal. We will not fall for this stunt. We need to treat climate change like the existential threat that it is. We need to pass a Green New Deal. So what do we want? Green New Deal. And when do we want it? Now. What do we want? Green New Deal. And when do we want it? Now. In fact, we wanted it yesterday. We wanted it 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So now is the time. Action is urgent. Let's get it done. Thank you all. Thank you, Sunrise Movement. We must act now. We got to pass the Green New Deal now. What do we want? Green New Deal. When do we want it? Now. Last week. Last month. These are United States senators standing outside the U.S. Capitol building calling for immediate passage of legislation they support. They finish the news conference and then they go inside the U.S. Senate chamber and not one of them voted to move the bill forward. Scott, have you ever seen so many elected officials call for immediate action on legislation they support and then immediately turn around and go inside the U.S. Senate chamber or the House chamber and vote unanimously against moving it forward? Well, as a baseline, let me put this out there. We don't want the Green New Deal to pass. There is stuff in there that we think is problematic that will impact our industry and will and hurts us. So we are advocating against the Green New Deal. But Ed, point taken that there's a whole lot of hypocrisy here in D.C. for a group of senators who support this bill that then go turn around, go to the Senate floor and vote effectively to block it from moving forward. Uh, it's one of those things that, you know, happens almost, you know, I'm not going to say all the time in D.C., but it's part of the political calculus as they're, they're making their decisions. But to the average person out in Iowa, average person out in, in Nevada, this does not make sense. This does not make sense, period. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. Um, and, and just one thing that struck me, you know, I, my job is to deal with reporters, or one of my job is, one of my jobs is to deal with reporters. And, and that's why we put these questions out there. That's one of the reasons, you know, we want people who are supposed to be the watchdogs of the, the powerful, um, you know, members of, of the House and Senate to have to answer some questions. And, um, we, you know, we went to the reporters that were accumulated there, a lot of national reporters, and we went up to a couple of Washington Post reporters uh, right after the event and, and gave them the questions that we want folks to ask. Basically, what specific policy are you proposing? How much is it going to cost? Who's going to pay for it? Uh, how much CO2 and other greenhouse gases are going to be reduced as a result of these policies? Um, how much are global temperatures going to be affected? Um, and, oh, by the way, please show your math on this stuff. And we don't expect them to come out with this at a news conference, but just 
asked some questions. And um, the guy who was running the news conference was Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts. And he opened it up for questions. And there were literally dozens of reporters there, TV cameras, print reporters, dozens of them. And he said, are there any questions? Not one single reporter asked any question, not any of our questions, but any other questions um, before he was able to get away from the podium and scurry back into the Capitol. So um, it's extremely frustrating. I hope people will you know, encourage reporters, um, national reporters, your local reporters, just ask these basic questions. These aren't gotcha questions. These are just very basic, straightforward, substantive questions. And for some reason, and then the, the reporters were, were tweeting back at us before we even got back to the office, like, well, I was cornered by three meat industry lobbyists who wanted us to ask questions. And that's a very DC thing. Ha ha ha. And another reporter chimed in, another uh, post columnist chimed in and said, oh, we need body cameras for lobbyists, which I don't even really know what that means. But, you know, it's so easy. It seems like their default is to just snark against lobbyists or, you know, quote unquote, industry lobbyists, um, as opposed to just asking these very basic questions. So that's what's that that's one thing that just sort of, you know, stood out for me um, at this event. What stood out for you? Were there any speakers that sort of uh, brought up interesting points uh, from your perspective? Yes. So there was a speaker at the podium uh, at this Green New Deal rally that was from an activist group called the Iowa Concerned Citizens for Community Improvement. This is an Iowa-based activist group that um, does everything it can to shut down production agriculture in the state of Iowa. Well, they were here this morning in D.C. Uh, rallying on behalf of the Green New Deal. And why I think this is important is because if you look at the text of the resolution, it talks about collaboration between farmers and ranchers and the government, and it's all a bunch of feel-good language. Uh, but then to have this ICCI activist up there, her entire rally speech was railing against agriculture and railing about how agriculture is basically uh, the problem uh, of, of, our, of our generation and that this Green New Deal is going to solve it. So I just want to highlight that because it's easy to get lost in some of the, the niceties that the proponents of this Green New Deal put out there and saying, hey, you know what, read the text of the bill. It says, it just says we want to collaborate with agriculture, and that's a good thing. Um, just keep in mind that at their rallies, they have activists speaking who are rallying, who are railing, rather, they're railing against agriculture. And they're saying that basically farmers and ranchers and uh, production agriculture is the root of all evil as it comes to the climate change conversation. So that's important to note because oftentimes they try to hide what the agenda is. So it was good to see it upfront and personal today when we crashed their party this morning. And it's just good to keep that reminder going that the people who are behind this Green New Deal do not have the best interests of farmers and ranchers in mind. They want to change everything you're doing on a daily basis to achieve climate change reductions. Yeah, and actually on that topic, why don't you talk a little bit about, I mean, because there was a lot of demonization at this event about, you know, the evil polluters and all of this stuff um, that are seeking to destroy the earth for their personal profit and everything. Just talk a little bit. I mean, obviously, this industry um, takes uh, environmental stewardship very, very seriously. It's something that we've had a, a seen a lot of improvement and innovation on. Just talk a little bit about, you know, the progress we have made as an industry uh, on this issue over the past few decades. 
Sure. So, Ed, it's always good to lead with the science, and the science is on our side with this issue. So just to start as a baseline, uh, if you look at EPA's emissions inventory numbers, greenhouse gases from uh, beef cattle only represents 2% of direct emissions in the United States of America. I'm going to say that one more time. 2%. Keep in mind that everything that we do, whether it's just walking to your car or you know buying a product at a store, there is always emissions uh, related to everything. So everything has emissions, okay? There's inputs, there's outputs. The beef cattle industry, direct emissions are 2%, okay? It's a small number. Uh, we have been continually improving our efficiencies of getting better and better in how we raise the beef cattle in the United States of America. So compared to 1977, today U.S. produces the same amount of beef with 33% fewer cattle, okay? continuous improvement. And I think if you look at this issue and, and what you'll see with a lot of the Green New Deal proponents is, well, you can eliminate beef from your, your diet. And you, you, we saw this a couple weeks ago with Mayor de Blasio uh, promoting meatless Mondays at, in the school lunch system in New York City. They think that getting rid of beef from the diet is going to reduce uh, emissions and is going to make this climate change solution. And if you actually cut down into it. And there's been some really good studies, uh, notably one that recently came out of Virginia Tech that says that did the math and said, okay, what if you go to a, an all vegan diet and you re, you remove all meat from your diet? What does that actually do in terms of greenhouse gas emissions? And the answer is not a whole lot. So keep that in mind. You take meat out of your diet and you replace it with plants, plant-based diet, you're not really changing the climate conversation very much at all. So I think it's important that we keep talking about that and we, we make sure that we lead with the science, we lead with the facts to, to make people aware that um, the beef cattle industry is not a significant contributor of uh, greenhouse gas emissions. We've been improving over time and changing to a vegan or a vegetarian diet is not going to change climate. It's not going to result in climate change uh, emissions reductions. All right. All very valid points we need to get out there. Um, finally, very quickly, um, with the Green New Deal sort of meet, meeting a roadblock in the U.S. Senate today, um, where do we go from here? Not necessarily just on the Green New Deal, since, it, like we said, it's a non-binding resolution. It really doesn't have any teeth. But on the climate change issue over the rest of this uh, Congress, over the next year and a half or so, um, what do you see coming down? Are there going to be more substantive legislative proposals uh, coming forward and uh, what might those be and, and how, how might they affect the uh, beef and cattle industry? Well, let me start by saying uh, NCBA opposes the Green New Deal. So to see it fail on the floor of the Senate today was a good thing for us. It achieves a policy goal that our members have put forth for us to achieve. But beyond that, you know, the Green New Deal is going to be there will be more iterations of it. It'll change. It'll be called something different. It'll become a piece of legislation with, with binding aspects to it. Uh, so this is not something that's going to go away anytime soon, especially now that we have a divided Congress and a democratically controlled House. Uh, we expect that more of these types of misguided climate policies will come forward. And when that happens, we'll step up and we'll keep telling our story. All right, Scott Yeager, great job today. It was nice to get out and get some fresh air and a beautiful a little bit, I think, below average temperature spring morning in Washington, D.C. So uh, thanks a lot, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat beef.
Check us out online at policy.ncba.org and follow us on Twitter at, at Beltway Beef. Thanks for listening.